It is such a beautiful song. You know what you just asked God to do? But what kind of rain? When when the scripture referred to raining, what what is this song? What is it telling? Huh? He's asking God to pour down His Holy Spirit to anoint us, O oh God. Allow Your Spirit to flow. Open up heaven and let the floodgates just come. That's what the nation needs. Our nation need that right now. We need an overwhelming rain from God upon his people. I was listening this morning as a man of God has wrote a book that's that's really, really heart touching. And one of the things he's saying that Americans need to wake up. This is an Egyptian-born, Egyptian-raised Christian man that wrote a book that the barbarians are here. He said they're here. And I don't want to go into it anymore because I don't want to quench what God is about to do here with the message today, but we need God's Spirit to open our eyes to a lot of things that's going on. And not only what's going on, but what's about to happen. Jesus is raising up an army of people right now that love him beyond measure. And there, here's the thing. You are a part of that army. Don't look for it in the future. It's in the present. You are soldiers of the army of the living God on earth. Amen? Amen. And we need to be asking God's spirit to come down upon us like rain so that as soldiers we can go into battle and fight for the Lord and fight and fight and fight without retreat. Don't give up any ground to the enemy. And I'm starting to see that in my own home where my wife is now becoming a dominant Christian one, the spirit-filled led one. And I'm standing back going, whoa, I got all the answers, right? No, she's moving under the anointing of God. And she's sensing that. I didn't tell her this before, but I actually see her moving under the anointing of God. And here's the other thing that you all be, need to be very much aware of. And young Alex, please listen to this. All of you young people, don't look for the Holy Spirit to move in ways that church say he's going to move. Look for him to move in ways that people have never seen before. And watch him use situation and circumstances that you're going, God can't be in that. Watch your tongue. Because God is moving in ways unknown to man. Amen. Okay? And just because it doesn't look like a duck and quack like a duck doesn't mean it's not a duck. Because God don't operate with a man framework. Right. Are you hearing me? And if you don't believe me on that, go and read the book of Ezekiel. The very first part will blow you away. That young prophet born in Israel, taken as a slave out of his homeland, as a teenager, driven by foot 800 miles away as a slave. He's a captive in Babylon. 
And yet, under the anointing of God, God told this young man, this is what I want you to do. I want you to cut lots of your hair. Cut it off in front of the people. And then I want you to let some go in the wind. And, and then I want you to set some on fire. We see people doing that today. We say, he ain't wrapped in his right what? Mind that he's crazy. Keep playing, sister. God got a word here for his people. And listen, another thing that God told him to do. Now, you young people are going to frown upon this. You may go, ooh, that's nasty. God said, I want you to lay on your left side. And God kept that man on the ground on his left side for how long? A little over one year. And God says, I'm going to fix it where you can't get up. And I want you to do this so that you can eat. I want you to heat your food with human feces. And Ezekiel said, whoa, whoa, Lord, I have never, nothing unclean ever touched me. And God said, okay, use animal feces. You today, if God told you to do this today, your family would say, you're stupid, you're crazy, you have lost your mind. And you'll have that person over at Meridian in a heartbeat. Hello. But understand the prophets of old, when God told those men to do something, guess what? They did it. They did it. And something else happened to that man that I want to share with Emma and the rest of you. This young man was sitting at the gate with the elders. And while he was sitting there, the Holy Spirit came and picked him up from among those elders. Took him and animated him between heaven and earth. And showed him what was going back, what was happening back in Jerusalem in the temple. Said, look and see what the priests are doing. And look at the women on the, on the top of their roofs. Look what they are doing. So if you think God doesn't work, work in mysterious ways that you and I are not accustomed to, you better go to that book and read it. Because what makes sense to you is <laughs> completely different than what God wants. So that song opened up a whole new way today of operating under the anointing because under the anointing, God will have you do things that you wouldn't otherwise have done. And as we get ready to go to the Lord in prayer, there's one other thing I want to remind you of. The first king over Israel, what was his name? Saul. Do you know what the spirit did with Saul? Samuel told King Saul, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he's going to turn you into another man. <coughs> and sure enough, Saul went to the school of the prophets. And you know what happened, Miss Marie? <laughs> the Holy Spirit came up on Saul. And Saul was literally changed, not physically but his very spiritual nature changed. And Saul began to speak, began to prophesy. And the people say, is Saul now one of the students of the prophets? Why? 
Because the Spirit doesn't operate according to our ways, but God ways. And that's what Samuel was telling King Saul. If you're led by the Spirit of God, He's going to change you. So this morning, young people, I want you to get ready. Because the Holy Spirit have you in His sights. Emma, don't be surprised while you're out there at competition. The Holy Spirit comes upon you and you begin to prophesy to those around you. I'm just saying. Y'all hear me? Alex, don't be surprised that while you're at work at Winn-Dixie, the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you begin to prophesy. Hello, somebody. Oh, y'all hear me? Because this is the army that God is raising up, Crystal. If you love Jesus, you don't tell Jesus where and when to work and how to work. Amen? Amen. And I've seen enough of the working of the Holy Spirit to tell you that some days I come home and try to explain things to my wife and she probably scratch her head and say, what is this crazy man talking about? Because I've seen something that I just can't explain in normal words. So when you think John is crazy when he wrote Revelation and put all them symbols in there, because he saw some stuff that he couldn't explain in his day. Why? Because they were for our day and the days ahead. There was no name for them. Those things didn't exist. So every head bow, get ready. Get ready, sinks. Get ready. Get ready. It's going to happen, Zora. If you submit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the Spirit is going to come upon you and He's going to show you some stuff that's going to blow your mind. Get ready. Father, we come to you now in the precious name of your Son, Jesus. Lord, we're so glad that you taught us in your word by the way of your prophet Isaiah, Jesus. That my ways are not your ways, nor my thoughts, your thoughts. As my ways are higher than your ways, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts, said the Lord. So, Father, that means that we don't get to understand everything that you're doing, and we don't get to think like you think, and we don't get to do like you do, Lord Jesus. We just get to obey. We get to enjoy the presence of the Lord and at time even grieve like you grieve. Lord, forgive us for our sins, especially me. Cleanse us and renew us, O oh God. Allow your spirit to speak and move within us and use us for your glory. And Father, allow your light to shine brightly within us so that the world can see that we belong to Jesus. And Lord our God, have your way in your word this morning and we're asking that you, the living word of God, touch your people Israel. Watch over Israel. They're still the apple of your eye and the world has gone mad against Israel. 
But we know before that great day of the Lord that the world will march against Israel. It will march on Israel's soul. But she shall not be defeated because you are her God and you, you're her real guard. And no weapon formed against Israel shall prosper. It's like the church, Jesus, is made up of Israel and they invite Gentiles into it. Father, we need you here in these United States. Father, how we have long forgotten the blessings that you've given this nation. You made us one of the most wealthiest nations on earth and one of the most prosperous nations. And yet, we're one of the most illiterate nations when it comes to you. And Father, forgive us for turning our backs on you and not acknowledging you and worshiping you and walking with your son, Jesus. We allow everything else to come in here and do what it wants to do with religion. But we told Christians, shut up. We don't want to hear that. You can't do that here. You can't do that there. But everybody else can do whatever they want. But just don't mention the name of Jesus. Father, forgive us for allowing this world to cause us to renounce your son, Jesus. Father, your true children, we're not going to be silent. We're not going to be quiet, Jesus. We're going to proclaim your name from the mountaintop, from the valley low, from the east to the west, the north and the south, from every hamlet, from every street, every byway, every canyon, every desert, every city, wherever it may be, Jesus, we're going to shout the name of Jesus and declare that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we're going to denounce that there are more ways to God, for there's only one way, and that's you, Jesus. For you're the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by you. Now, Lord our God, speak, for your children are listening. Have mercy upon us, O God. According to your tender love and mercy, blot out our transgressions and renew within us a clean heart and give us, Father, a steadfast spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, like always, Vicki, you come in and you play so wonderful before the Lord. She's blessed her heart. She's had a plate full this week. And putting up with a stabbing husband, or I mean, good husband. <laughs> <laughs> so, to God be the glory. Let me tell you something about Brother Amelia. Can, can, can I give you a word from God about Brother Amelia? And it's a word that's applicable for all of you. Jeremiah 29 11. God says, I know my plans that I have for you. Plans not to harm you. But to what? To prosper you and to give you a future and a hope. And that future and that hope, Brother Amelia, is Jesus. And Jesus says that he upholds all things by the word of his mouth. That means when Jesus speaks a word, things happen. You're not going anywhere, brother, until Jesus say so. 
Amen. Amen. You are not going anywhere, and no devil in hell and no doctor with his medical degree can tell you that you got this long to live. If Jesus said you're here until the trumpet sounds, you're here till the trumpet sounds. Amen. Amen. And you're not going anywhere until the Father say, come up here. Amen. Amen. To God be the glory. And that's for all of us. Jesus Christ is our God and our life is in his hands and not the hands of the world or his doctors. Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen. Amen. Um, I kind of misprinted the text in which you read this morning. I gave you 11 more verses than I had intended, but it's good because you need to know about the triumphant entry. You need to know what's took place in the, the early days before Jesus was crucified. And, and matter of fact, the triumphal entry took place that Sunday and that Thursday he was dead. Okay? For all intents and purposes, that Sunday, when he waited, he knew what was going to happen. And, and it's amazing to me that how in one breath the people were just shouting, Hosanna in the highs. How many of you folks know what that means? Uh, when you read Hosanna, it, it is a messianic term that is saying there's crying out to the Messiah to say, save us. That's what it means, to save us. And so they're crying out to Jesus, save us. They didn't realize that what he actually come to what? To do. He really came to save them. And they were calling him the son of David. Okay? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the well, they didn't know he is the Lord, okay? And so that's just a nugget for you to kind of chew on a little bit on that part. We're actually going to go into verse 12. And this portion is just a little bit different than you're accustomed to hearing because it is tied into Old Testament understanding. In order to understand the cursing of the fig tree, you got to understand what was said of old. Okay, and to understand what takes place in the temple, they're driving out of the thieves and the money changers and all of those. You got to understand Old Testament. Okay, so we're going to be bouncing in a couple of places in the Old Testament. We're going to go to the book of Hosea and we're going to go to the book of Isaiah. Because if you look at this whole context, the cursing of the fig tree and what happens in the temple with Jesus driving out the money changers, it's all connected together. Okay? I want you to understand this. It's all connected together. And because in the end, as Jesus them are leaving the temple, You'll notice disciples ask him some questions. And they're going to make a statement about the fig tree. And he's going to give them a powerful answer in the end. Are y'all ready for this? So, let's take a look and see what the Word of God has in store for us. Now, the next day, meaning it's Monday, Alex, it's Monday. Okay? Four days away from crucifixion. It's Monday, everybody. In Jerusalem. Have you ever this before this? 
it's awful hot up here, but hellfire is harder, so I'll go on. Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, uh, remember Bethany was just two miles away from Jerusalem. They just had to go across the Kendron Valley over into Jerusalem. And Bethany stands for House of Dates. House of Dates. Anybody ever eaten any dates? Okay, so it's House of Dates. All right. So I'm going to give you some terminology here for you to follow along. And I guess today is a little less preaching and a more teaching. Is that all right? And so he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. In Israel, in this particular area, there was a thing that was really, really weird. These, uh, these fig trees, I almost said olives because it was right off from the Mount of Olives. These fig trees produce harvest early. They produce the harvest early. And also, they told me, now I'm not a botanist, but I was told that fig trees produce their leaves before they produce their fruit. And so... Whatever that's there, and then when I talked with one person, they said, well, no, the figs come first and then the fig leaves. They're going, now I'm messed up in the head. Okay? In either case here, these trees would normally produce early fruit. The normal fig harvest is from August to October. August to October. But where are we now in the time period in Israel? Spring. Spring. So, and I guess he was used to seeing early figs because he went with the expectation to do what? To find something there. He's hungry. He's hungry. Now, there's a message that's tied into these fig trees. And it's a message that is about Israel. Hello. And that's where we are about to go. We're going to take a look now. Go to Hosea. After the book of Daniel, just in case you didn't know it. It kind of give it orient you a little bit. Isaiah, Jeremiah. What comes next? Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. Got your R in it now? Okay. I want you to go to chapter 9, verse 10. Chapter 9, verse 10. Now, if you see Obadiah and Joel and all that, you've gone too far. Say amen when you get there. Amen. Hosea chapter 9, verse 10. Listen to the word of God about the people of God of that day. I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your fathers as the first fruits. Did you catch that? As the first fruits on the fig tree. 
in his first season. What does that mean, Shelly? That means they had to produce a early fruit. Early fruit or early harvest. I mean, Israel had to be what? At work. Showing the nations who her God is. Okay? But they went to Balpour. Anybody know what he mean by that? But they went to Balpour. Go to Numbers chapter 21 and you'll find out what that is. Do you remember Balaam in the donkey or Balaam in the ass? I like saying that word so I get kids. Uh, pastor just cussed in church. It's a donkey. It's a donkey. He just did it again. All right. Remember Balaam was the false prophet that was hired by Balak, the king of Moab, to curse the children of Israel as they was coming out of Egypt. And he hired this false prophet to go out and put a curse on them. And God interceded. God interdicted. He showed up and said, don't you curse my people. And what ended up happening? I think there was like a, a series of seven or eleven blessings that this false prophet gave Israel. And boy, that king got mad. I hired you to curse them and now you have blessed them. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> that Duncan made a believer out of him, didn't he? <laughs> when he spoke. Anyway, Israel had gone by way of Balpour, meaning that they've gone over to false gods, began to worship false gods. They have stopped producing fruit, okay? They have stopped producing fruit. I want to ask you all a question today. How do we relate to that in the 21st century in the church? How? Here's how we can relate to it. Have you stopped producing fruit for Jesus? Because not many days from this, that upcoming Thursday, is the Passover. And Jesus at that supper will tell his disciples, and it's known as John, in John chapter 15, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you to go and to produce what? Fruit. fruit and that your fruit shall remain okay so here's the question then for the 21st century folks are you producing fruit for Jesus are you you don't have to answer that to me you got to answer that to him because Jesus has made every one of us, has planted us all on fertile ground, okay? And gave us a spiritual nutrient, which is his word and the Holy Spirit to go out and to produce fruit. Now, a lot of you would say, well, I don't know what that means. Yes, you do. Stop lying to God. Yes, you do. Because Jesus said, and, and, and Luke records it over in Acts 1.8, he said these words. You shall receive power from on high, right? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses. Oh, that's another way of saying that you're going out and producing fruit by being a Hello. So I told you you knew what it meant. You just needed somebody to tell you. Now, they went by way of Balpour. 
Well, that's, look at it. And separated themselves to that shame. People, today, the church is selling out faster than ever. We're buying into secular understanding. Humanism. Okay, you kids may not know what that means, but listen. We are so entrenched in the ways of this world that the world can no longer see us different than itself. Okay, let me break that down. Children in elementary school are being taught that they no longer have to obey the things of God. They can do whatever the world say you can do. A lot of the textbooks now taking out the masculine and feminine language to show that we are now equal and that it's okay if a girl want to call herself a boy and a boy want to call himself a girl. Let me tell you, you may be able to snip, snip, but you don't change the spirit what God gave you. God gave you the spirit of a man. God gave you the spirit of a woman. You cannot change that. You may cut and sew all you want to and stuff a flat chest and make it look like this, but guess what? To God, you're still a girl. You're still a boy. I don't care what society says. And there are other issues out there that people are being taught by the world that's saying that, hey, you can do whatever you want to. You are responsible for you. And what they just said to you is that you have no accountability to God. And that's why evolution is such a powerful statement because it takes away the one true God, right? It takes away the day of accountability that wherein all men will stand before God and women and boys and girls. Okay? Israel decided that some of them wanted to go by the way of Belpore. And uh, they was in the land of Moab. And so them Jewish boys, some of them, well, they weren't called Jews at that time, Hebrew. They were known as Hebrews, okay? So some of the Moabite girls said, mm-mm. <laughs> and the Moabite girls seen them Hebrew boys said, mm-mm. And guess what? And they went out to each other and brought a plague upon Israel. And Phaez, one of the priests, took a javelin when a Hebrew boy and a Mobile girl was caught doing their little thing, their wild thing, and thrust them through, killing them, taking the plague away from Israel. Okay? Now, how do we relate to that today? We have sold out the gospel. Myself and a, a young preacher was talking yesterday. He said, Brother Sammy, I love the way you stick to the scriptures when you preach and teach. I said, isn't that what Paul them did? You see now these mega churches, they are packed because now they got professional speakers. I'm not talking against these brothers. I'm just simply saying that. They got all kinds of sermons out there to make you feel good. But very few will tell you to turn away from your sin and turn back to God. Amen. God help. 
Very few are telling you that sin is sin. Okay? Very few are telling you. And matter of fact, one famous preacher from a place called Willow Creek. Ever heard of that one? In the suburbs of Chicago? Yeah, that's not far from you, isn't it? Made a huge mistake in the so-called seeker-friendly. So what, what do they mean by that? They took out everything that supposedly offend uh, seekers. Like the word sin, the word repent, and they put in other languages that made people feel good about themselves. And the church grew and grew and grew and grew. But then after a while, there was no life changes. There was no evidence that their lives had change and people began to walk away. Why? Because they didn't have the truth to be what? To keep them. And that preacher repented of that sin. And now guess what? He's calling sin sin. And he's saying repentance is repenting from sin. Okay? People don't be fooled. Jesus is dealing with a people that has long been mistreated by the religious leaders of his day with their old traditions. Okay? Their old traditions. What do I mean by that, everybody? The religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and Herodians, the scribes who are the lawyers, the teachers of the law. What is the law? God's word had gotten the people to follow, or oh, you can't carry your bed on the Sabbath, or you can't feed your oxen this day. You can't do this and you can't do that. And finally, they put such a big burden on the people's back that people became worried. And they stopped looking to the one true God. The very people who have been leading them to God was pushing them away from God. And then the doggone priesthood was showboating in the streets. We see that in Jesus' very first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, he deals with it. In fact, and specifically in chapter 6, we're saying, don't be like the hypocrites who stand on the street corners and do what? For preachers make long prayers. Why? So that they can be seen by people. And they like to be greeted in the marketplace. How many people now, you go to these churches and, and the preachers got all these XYZs in front of their names and you can't even call them by their name without going through all da 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 da. Listen. I'm just educated, just most of them. Do you see that mess in front of my name? No. A lot of people, when I talk to them, well, you didn't know that you had a doctor degree, no. because I don't push it down your throat. <laughs> that was something that I wanted to do, a personal thing from God. It was a gift from God to me. Be frank with you, my wife would tell you when I try, I said, I only applied just to see if I would get accepted. And her words to me was some years ago, oh, you're going to get accepted. I'm going, no, I won't. I'm too dumb. She said, don't say that. And when I got the phone call and said, congratulations, I went home. I said, I got in. I got in. She said, you got what? 
I got accepted in the doctoral program. She said, I told you. <laughs> Save your wife's notes. Yeah, but does that change me? Does it change me who I am in Christ? No. No. It just makes me at times an educated nut. That's all that is. Does it make me different than you? Does it mean hell changes because what I know? Or heaven claps it. Oh boy, we really got a good one now. No. <laughs> what it really does is make me more accountable to God. And she said, you should have known better. Okay? Jesus is having to deal with the cursing of the fig tree, everybody, back in Mark, chapter 11, is really dealing with the people that have been under a false doctrine for so long. Ways that pushed them away from God rather than going into God. Do y'all remember the healing of the blind man? In John chapter nine, they saw they went in the temple area and they saw the man there. And what was happening? The disciples turned to Jesus and said, "Lord, who sinned that this man was born blind? Him or his parents?" Now I'm gonna go, dude. How could the man sin if he wasn't even born yet? And Jesus said, neither. So that what? So that the glory of God would be manifested. And you remember Jesus to do heal him? And you remember what the religious leader did to this man? Go and read it. It's a very powerful chapter. Let me encourage you to go and read it. it to make a long story short, they ended up kicking him out of the church, out of the temple. The church had not yet been established, so I apologize for that, but they kicked him out of the temple. The very same people that supposed to be bringing this man to God pushed him away from God. He had never seen the Pharisees. He had never seen the high priest. He had never seen any of the scribes. He had never seen any of the religious leaders before in his life. He had never seen his mom and daddy. And the very first people he sees the religious leaders. And they do what? They push them away from God. <laughs> and they even called Jesus a sinner and the man rebuked them. <laughs> the man stopped preaching to him. Powerful, powerful story. Go back and look at it. So the fig tree, even though that fig tree was out of order, it should have had something. Even though it was accustomed to producing fruit out of season, it should have had some fruit there. And that's why the Lord went looking. We may be called out of season by God, but it's no excuse for not producing fruit. And don't worry about all this stuff up here. You don't need this. Because when I got to seminary the first time at Columbia International University, those students had all of this, but they had very little of this. And guess who? One of the students sitting in there had a whole lot of this. And the professor would say, isn't that right, Sammy? And he yes, sir. <laughs> and I would get imaginative with them kids. Boy, they can speak eloquently and powerful and with a lot of zeal. And I was standing there and I was sitting there going, 
And I'm about to burst, and the professor says, Sammy, you want to say something? I go, yes, I do. <laughs> I understand that this young person here is smarter than me, can write better than me, and can say all these fancy words, but I know what the Word of God says. And the Word of God says this. Your zeal can't save anybody. The great big heart of encouragement can't save anyone. If you don't have the gospel truth, what are you going to give them? So the cursing of the fig tree is very powerful and the disciples should have been paying attention. All they could see that Jesus was cursing a tree. They didn't realize that Jesus was cursing a false doctrine that was in the land of Israel. And I wonder today if Jesus came and sat in a lot of the church service today, would he curse the messages that are being preached today? Here's what's powerful. Stick to the word of God. And so here it is. Look. So he wanted something to eat, but there was nothing. And so Jesus said, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. At times, it takes Jesus to shut up the mouth of a false teacher. And eventually, they will be shut up if they don't repent. The most dangerous thing in America is not a man with a gun. But a man that's holding a Bible on one hand and a false doctrine on his tongue. That's the most dangerous man in America. Because people take what he's saying as the gospel truth rather than knowing the gospel itself. Are y'all ready for me to go on? <laughs> Verse 15. So they came to Jerusalem, then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple <clears throat> and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written? Folks, if you look at what Jesus is about to say, it's a prophecy from Isaiah, okay? It's a prophecy from Isaiah, from God our Father. Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all who? That means the Gentiles are going to come into the temple too. Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. saved. Now let's go back and do our homework with this one. Are you ready? Will you turn now? I told you going back old school, didn't I? Turn to Isaiah chapter 49. Isaiah chapter 49. 
Uh, that's before uh, our good buddy Jeremiah. Oh, not that one sitting there. The other one. We're going to look at the first couple of verses. I want you to understand that Isaiah chapter 49 is a messianic chapter. It's all about Jesus, most of it. Chapter 42 is all about Jesus. Uh, matter of fact, the 40 series themselves are about who? Jesus, the Messiah. In some parts of it, you will see Isaiah talking. In the other part, you see he's dictating what God has said. In other parts, you'll actually see Jesus himself talking. So why is Jesus appearing to be violent in the temple? This will tell us why. And he's not violent. He's doing what God ordered him to do. Are you ready for this? Why did the Son of God go into the temple and took some cords and made a whip and was ready to whip some butt? Why did he do that? And why did he talk to them like he did? Let's see. Listen. Listen, O coastlands, to me. And take heed, you peoples from afar. Who is he talking about? Travelers. Travelers. In other words, people outside of Israel known as what? Gentiles. He's not only talking to the nation here. He's talking to the Gentiles also. All right, you got that, Brother Jeremiah? The Lord has called me from the womb. Who's talking now? Hello, somebody. Who's talking now? Let's hear it. Jesus. You didn't know that, did you? And this is 700 years before he was born as a human. Jesus is talking now. You hear that, Crystal? You hear that, Zora? Jesus is talking now. Through Isaiah. Through Isaiah. But Isaiah is writing what Jesus is saying by the Spirit. The Lord has called me from the womb, from the matrix of my mother. What is matrix? That, 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 that secret place. A matrix is a secret place. So he's saying that God has called him from the secret place of his mother's womb. Okay? You remember when the angel went to Mary? Uh -huh. What did he tell her? Tell her she will have a baby, and the baby she wasn't going to carry it in her arms. She was going to carry it in her womb. Amen? From the matrix of my mother, he has made mention of my name. Did they not know his name before he was born? Hello. Don't you like that? That's some good stuff. Come on, Alex. Wake up and say, yes, sir. Ain't God good? Come on, guy. This is some really good revelation here. And he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. Now, this is the part you need to, need to listen to very, very carefully because it's going to open your mind of understanding. 
Are you ready for this? Am I loud? Am I, Sharon, am I loud up here? It's all right. I get happy when I see this. Look, look, look here. In the shadow of his hand, he has hidden me. People, do you know what God, what Jesus just told Isaiah? That God has Jesus as a sword. What is a sword? What's it for? Fire. Fighting. And God, he said, has him where? Where has God placed the sword at? In the shadow of his hand, meaning that they can't what? See it. Until God chooses the right moment to what? Use it. Hello. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 19 says Jesus has a what? A two-edged sword coming out of his what? Out of his mouth. It's the sword of God. Amen. In other words, Jesus is going to speak and people are going to listen. Remember when he even preached in Nazareth and when he preached in Jerusalem? Both crowds said, we never heard a man preach like this before because he's one that speaks with what? Authority. And then the disciples on the boat, when the, when the storm came upon them, and Jesus said, peace, be still. What did the disciples say? What kind of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? If you had your sword drawn out, what would you do? What would you do if Jesus had a sword drawn on you? Okay, Jesus, I'll do it. Meaning at God's appointed time, Jesus came forth and he was rebuking. Every time you've seen Jesus rebuking the religious leaders of Israel, it was God's sword doing what? Swinging. And they never knew when Jesus was going to strike you. Isn't this also strategy from God? Isn't this the way you want to attack your enemy? <clears throat> By surprise? And it's almost like, Lord, forgive me, I'm going to use a little bit of street language here. <laughs> Gus, get him, boy. <laughs> get him, son. I know Father didn't do that. I'm not trying to be a heretic. That's, it's just Sammy Nelson expression, okay? okay. Now, looking back, let's, let's go and look a little bit further. So in the shadow of his hand, he has hidden me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver, he has hidden me. Now what is Jesus talking about? Arrows. Arrows. Why did he say a polished shaft? Here it is. When an archer picks a piece of wood and he carves it out. He keeps carving that until all the imperfections are out of it. What happens if you shoot an arrow that has a bow in it? It won't fly true. That's right. It won't fly and hit the target. It may take out another soldier. It may take out the wrong enemy. By the way, that, that has happened. You want to assassinate this one and not that one. That's just the rules of war. That's a little bit of Sam and Nelson coming out. But a polished error means that God has perfected his word in 
Jesus. He makes no mistakes. Amen. You hear me? So Jesus is God's polished error. And when he goes on target, Jeremiah, see, when you shoot, and Mr. David tell you this, where's my right eye at? What hand am I holding up? What, what eye should be lined up with my right hand if I'm a right-hand shooter? Your right eye. Which one? Your right eye. Your right eye. But if I line up with my left eye and I'm a right-hand shooter, what is going to do to my shot, Mr. David? It's going to put them off center. I know this for a fact because I'm a marksman also. <laughs> and guess what? Jesus always hit the target that God chooses. Amen. Do you see how powerful this is? Don't be in God's sights. Are you hearing me? Don't be in God's sight. Notice what else he said here. He said, he have hidden me in his quiver. The quiver is the little pouch that goes on the back of the archer. And so he reaches back there and does what? Pull out an arrow. Jesus said, God has kept me there until he's ready to what? Use me. Is he being used over here in the temple now? Mm -hmm. You betcha. So Jesus is God's both sword and God's arrow. And he's a not he's not gonna take prisoners, Shelley. Geneva Convention doesn't apply to him. Okay. <laughs> Woo, is this some good stuff? Yes. Go back to Mark. And so he come out with the sword, swinging, Sherry Andrew, you see that? For my house shall be called the house of prayer for all nations. People from Saudi Arabia, people from Yemen, people from the Sudan, people from Mexico, people from Canada, from Germany, from Norway, you name it, are welcome in this house. Amen. Because it's God's house, not mine. And I don't care what kind of religion they have when they come in the door. I know what kind they're going to get when they come in. Amen. They're going to get the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus just told those jokers something that they should have known all along. And let me tell you something else. They were in the courtyard here selling and it was legal for them to do it. At first, because can you imagine coming from Galilee and pulling your ox to be sacrificed or your lamb? Would you want to mess with that thing for 75 miles and you're walking and have to feed it and take care of it? Because it can't have. By the time you get to Jerusalem, it better not have marks on it. But then it couldn't be offered, right? Because remember what God said through the Leviticus priesthood that they were to offer a lamb without spot or blemish. Okay? So they sold these animals. Turtle doves and pigeons and things. Especially for poor people who couldn't afford the big sacrifices. Alright? However, somebody, some smart butt decided that, hey, this is very lucrative. We can make some money off of this, sure enough. 
So they went beyond the requirements that was needed to help people offer sacrifice to God. So they found a way to traffic. And when you see that word traffic, it means what, Mr. David? Illegal activity in the temple courts. God didn't say that they couldn't sell. It was what they were doing with it. How they was acquiring their money. Profits. And so men and women of God got to be careful in the 21st century. It's okay to do the things of God, but don't let those things be the main reason you do it. That is money. Because Paul told the Corinthians that the love of money is the root of all evil. Okay? And so God compels us to teach the gospel. Paul said, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. Okay, woe to me. That means God going to get me. And then also said that you're not to do it out of necessity. Okay, you do it because God says to do it. Nobody have to compel you to preach the gospel. No one should have to compel you to witness. You do it because you love Jesus. Is that okay? And so the money changers, they were out of order with God. They were making God's house a, thin, a den of thieves and robbers. They were ripping people off. Let's jack up the price. Okay? Let's make it more difficult for this young man that just came 70 miles from God and offered sacrifice. Let's charge him three times a month. He's going to pay for it because he's going to want to do what? Give a sacrifice. She's going to pay the money. So he has no choice. So Jesus said, not on my watch. Not on my watch. Because let me tell you what this house is for. To you, it may be a big, grandiose building, a building that's full of extravagance and, and, and nice looking and elegance and all kinds of suave looking things. But to my father, it's a house where people come and they talk to him. It's a place where the foreigner can come. A place where the person that lives next door can come. They can all come in together and pray to my father. Why? Because my house shall be called the house of prayer for all nations. Okay? So he was using his sword and he had targeted, didn't he? And boy, he was popping them. But there's a day coming when Jesus would do it universal. Are you hearing me? There's a day coming when Jesus would swing the sword of God universally. And that's why Paul wrote that every eye shall what? See. And every knee shall what? Bow. And every tongue shall what? Confess. What are they confessing? That Jesus Christ is what? Lord to the glory of who? God the Father. It's going to happen whether you like it or not. You're going to bow to Jesus. I don't care if you're Muhammad. You're going to bow. I don't care if you're Confucius. I don't care if you're Obama. And your mama too. <laughs> That's just me now. <laughs> you're going to bow to Jesus. Okay? Donald Trump will bow to Jesus. 
Max sitting in your lap will bow to Jesus. And you know who else? Samuel Nelson will bow to Jesus. And you know that great, amazing angel that came to Mary? His name is? Will bow to Jesus. The great warrior that helped him out several hundred years ago against the prince of Persia named Michael? He will do what? Bow to Jesus. Y'all getting it now, right? Everything in heaven and on earth and in the earth. That means who else? Satan will bow to Jesus. And don't you ever forget it. Don't think your britches are too big that you won't bow to Jesus. Because on that day, all creation is going to bow to Jesus. Let's finish up. So, and the scribes and the chief priests heard it and saw how they might destroy him. <laughs> they didn't know what kind of sword this man had. They didn't know Jesus had an invisible sword, did they? They didn't know Jesus himself was God's invisible error. Ready to do what? He could have destroyed them. But there's a saying that Jesus said in, what is it, Luke chapter 19? The Son of Man did not, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. He could have described them. But metaphorically here, he was correcting them. He ain't using the sword to kill. He's using the sword to correct. He's not using the arrow to kill. He's using the arrow to correct, to rebuke, to admonish, to reprimand, okay? To chastise, which is the love of God. Remember Revelation chapter 3, verse 19, Alex. All those I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. That's what Jesus said. Now, if you want to get clever, read the next verse. Behold, I stand and I knock at the door. And if anyone would open, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. Pretty good stuff, isn't it? Now, that's the gospel. Amen? Let's go home. So now they, they, they're conspiring. They want to kill him. But it said, And the scribes and chief priests heard it and saw how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his teaching. When evening had come, he went out of the city. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. The previous day, Miss Marie, he cursed it. Now let me ask you this. When the last time you heard God cuss somebody or curse something? I'm going to see how good you are. Flood? Oh, the flood. Was the flood a curse or a cleansing? 
both. <laughs> it was a cleansing. <laughs> he didn't curse, man. Because if he would have, it wiped us out. Anybody ever heard of Genesis chapter 3? He cursed the ground and he cursed what? The serpent. That fig tree just got what? Cursed. By God. Are y'all learning something here now? Look, 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 look bit further. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look. The fig tree which you curse has withered away. <laughs> well, I want to get you get your understanding for a moment. I want you to think about this, what Jesus is doing. Uh, you remember Jesus on the day of creation in, in, in Genesis chapter 1? And he's there and he's, man, he's doing some amazing stuff. And, and there's the darkness over the earth. And, and verse 3, we see Jesus speaking. What does he say? What does he say there in chapter 3, Jeremiah? He says, let there be light. light. And then what happened, Kobe? The light what? Appeared. Yeah, the light came over the darkness. It conquered the darkness. Amen? That was the created order of Jesus by his words, right? This is another created order, except in reverse. Instead of giving life, he did what? He took it away. It's the same process. When Jesus speaks, things happen. He took away its purpose. You bet you. So if you don't use those gifts God has given you, he might take away your purpose. But here, very powerful. Now he's going to use it as a teaching tool to the disciples. What is the teaching he's going to give them? Let's take a look. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Now, in a few days, he's going to say something else to them along the line. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now he's telling them to have faith in who? In God. In a few days, he's going to say, have faith in me. Okay? Now, if I, wrote, if I read this to you from a Hebrew standpoint of view, where's my Hebrew student at Clinton? How should I render that? Instead of saying, have faith in God, how, if, as a Hebrew, how would I say that? I would say it like this, everybody. Have trust in God. Trust God. Okay? Trust God. Watch him work. Trust God. All right? For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, remember now where they're at. They're standing on a mountain. They're overlooking and they can see Mount Moriah that Abraham had attempted to sacrifice Isaac on. They can see mountains on the east. You ever heard of the Mount of Olives? Oh, now, making sense to you? 
is it's teaching pretty clear here. He said, now you can say that this mountain, all right, they see the mountain. Okay, well, what about it? Be removed and be cast into the sea. Now, did you know what sea he was talking about? Red sea. The dead sea. And so you can tell this mountain, be removed and throw yourself into the dead sea. You say it'll happen. If you're trusting God enough, it'll happen. Okay? Let's close it on out. And does not doubt in his heart, but, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. People, Jesus just took the cursing of the fig tree and used it as a platform to teach his disciples to trust God. And they have no idea how much that's going to mean until about 96 hours later, Mr. Dave, when their little worlds are going to be turned upside down. None of us have never, ever experienced what these disciples will, will experience in the next four days. Because up to this point, everything is nice and pretty. Everything is glamorous. Everything is going well. They're coming to Passover and it's business as usual. Okay? They had no idea that God has given the prince of darkness permission to strike his son, the shepherd. Remember Jesus said, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. They have no idea that that's going to happen four days from there. That's an old prophecy, by the way. Scrape the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. And they're going to have to trust God. And they were about to face a mountain that they had never faced before. And that mountain is death. And behind it is the prince of darkness. And it doesn't care about any of them. Not one. And they're getting a powerful lesson. And boy, don't you know for the next couple of weeks, life is going to be something else for those disciples. They're going to go through a cycle that, whoo, a ringer of emotions. They're going to be scared. They're going to be hiding and shaking. And they're going to take Jesus himself to rescue them. Really is. Come on up, Miss Vicky. We're about finished here. They will be separated physically from God, but not spiritually. God will watch over his children because he trained these men for three years for a purpose. He was not about allow, not. He was not going to allow Satan to take them because God had a mission for him. And that mission was to spread the gospel. That mission was to be witness of Jesus Christ, performing signs and wonders to show, in fact, that Jesus is who he say he is. And he gave the same authority to them. 
Okay? Folks, y'all better hold on to your britches because the next couple of Sundays, you're going to get some teachings. I'm telling you, it's going to shake in, in Easter Sunday. You're going to get a message that you never heard before. Same gospel. But the Holy Ghost got something. He's going to open your mind up to a living reality. Are you ready for that? I don't know where you are with the Lord. I sense God is moving in your life because you're here. And God knows that some of you have a busy schedule, but his mission hadn't changed for you. The day that Jesus called you, he knew. In fact, Romans 8.29 said he knew before he called you. Amen? I mean, Alex, to somebody you may be a challenge, but not to God. Jeremiah, to your wife, you may need something else, but not to God. Everybody here, we can all find fault well. But God said, no, you're perfect. You know how I know you're perfect? And Jesus shows you the scroll. He says, your name is written right here. <laughs> Don't that make you perfect? Your name is written where? In the Lamb Book of Life. When he looks and gone, you look just like my son. Amen. Yeah. It's only humans that sit back and say, "That brand, I can't stand that heifer." <laughs> and that's what humans say. But God said, "Uh huh, that's my baby girl." I love that chick. I don't know if God says chick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but Jesus does. Jesus says, you know, what's so amazing, so extraordinary is that God loves you more than you love yourself. We do things that are detriment to ourselves at times, but Jesus says, I still love you. I haven't stopped. And so let me encourage you to Really, really seek Jesus out. Don't let this upcoming Easter time, as we like to call it Easter, which really is Passover. Don't let there be a moment of just, what am I going to wear? Or what am I going to cook? Let it be a time of, you know, Jesus, can I sit by you today? I, I, can I just talk to you? Can I can, can I can I lay my head on your breast like John did? Can I just rest in you? And Father, can I just abide under your shadow? Can I dwell in your secret place? Because that's where I want to be. And in that, Lord. Holy Spirit, will you help me reflect on the cross? What happened that day? Will you help me look at that empty tomb? 
Did you catch that? Will you help me look at that empty tomb and walk in and see the linen folded? Will you let me hear the voice of the angel saying, he's not here? Y'all getting that? Let it be that kind of Easter. And I have to use Easter because that's what majority of you know. If I say Passover, you think about, what is he saying? A resurrection Sunday. Speaking of that, I, um, I think the Civic Center area where we normally do uh, sunrise service is probably going to be occupied. I was thinking maybe that the horse people will allow us to come to their house on their land in the open field and and we all at my house in the open field and do the sunrise service there. Y'all okay with that? Yeah. We'll make a decision between your house and my house. Is that okay? <laughs> and so he said we'll flip for it <laughs> amen but want everybody there we're going to have a glorious time in the Lord amen alright every head bow feet down son it's a sacred moment I want you to answer this question by surrendering a hand up have you said that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? I see some hands going up. I didn't see all. Okay. Okay, because I don't want you leaving this place if you're not saved. Mr. Dave don't want you leaving this place if you're not saved. Okay, you can drop your hands. Now that you're saved... There's someone in the building that didn't raise his hand. And I want you to pray for that person. I don't want to call him out, but I want you to pray now. Say, Lord Jesus, the one that didn't raise his hand, I pray now, Jesus, that you would touch him. Touch him by your spirit. Because, Lord, your perfect will that no man should perish, but all have everlasting life by coming to repentance and placing his trust in your son, Jesus. Will you pray that prayer now? Every head bow now. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, we know that your dying on the cross was not in vain for our sins. And Lord, without you, no human can be saved. For the one, Lord, that didn't raise his hand, you saw that person. I pray now, Lord, that by your spirit you would draw him to you. Lord, save him. He's heard the gospel. We're asking, Lord, that you touch his heart. Show him his sin and show him your judgment. But also, Lord, show him your salvation. And have mercy upon him and save them according to your grace. Now, Father, for those of us that who confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we ask now that you fill us afresh with your spirit. Give us a fresh word from heaven 
and place a hunger and a thirst in us for you that we never had before, Lord. And then, oh God, help us to go out and be your witness. Your witness, Lord Jesus, that we will tell the people the gospel truth. And then, Father, rejoice, rejoice, and rejoice in your children as your children rejoice in you. Until we meet again, watch over us, Lord, and keep us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.